Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the ELA, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. I'm excited to announce that we are now over 50 episodes with 6,000 listeners and growing. So we're so excited to have you as a part of our program. In fact, we are expanding our network to now include Europe as its own freestanding podcast. I'm excited to introduce our new moderator and host for that program, Michaela Felisiak. She's from our firm in Germany, Biden Burkhardt. And I'm just going to kick it over and have Michaela take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters Europe, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Michaela Felisiak. In this special series of podcasts, we will be looking at the specific issues affecting businesses and organizations in those countries that impacted by the spread of the coronavirus, especially in our European jurisdictions. In addition to touching on the important stories and events happening in these countries, we are also fortunate to have a chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers that practice on the ground in these jurisdictions and are working daily to help their local clients move through these difficult times. Joining us today in the program is Philippe Durand, partner at Auguste de Bossy Advocates in France. Philippe is joining us from his office in Paris. Philippe, bonjour, welcome to the program. How are you? <laughs> Guten Tag, Michaela. How are you doing? You're calling from Munich, right? I'm in, in Munich, yes. Good. So let me begin with a pretty simple question. How would you describe the general pandemic situation in France today? Well, Michaela, I would say it's not very different from uh, most of Western Europe countries, actually. We ended up at the end of the shutdown in France with about 30,000 people dying from the COVID-19 out of a total population, by the way, of 66 million. Now, the virus is picking up owing to tests, which we are conducting now. Uh, unlike Germany, we've been a bit late in conducting those tests, by the way. So we do know that the virus is picking up, is circulating a lot, but the number of people dying is not picking up in the same proportion. As of today, we are only talking about only, if I may put it this way, of course, talking about 32,000 people who so far, since the beginning of the pandemic, have died of COVID-19 in France. So high circulation, wide circulation of the virus, but we're not in the same situation as during the shutdown last spring. And I would also add that if you would look at other countries, we are in a similar situation like in Belgium or Spain and the UK as well. And we're probably doing less well than Germany and Italy as far as circulation of the virus is concerned. The truth is that the government is doing everything they can to avoid another shutdown just for economic uh, reasons. Wow, that's very interesting. I'm sure our listeners are curious about the current workplace situation in France. Can you speak a little bit about this, Philip? Well, Michael, I would say two things in, in that respect. First of all, since 1st September, new constraints have been put in the workplace. And one of them is wearing a mask. As I'm speaking to you, I'm not sure you can hear that, but I'm not wearing a mask as I speak to you because I'm sitting in my office by myself. But every time you are working in an office, 
whether this is a plant, offices, regular offices, whatever, you must wear a mask. And that's been in place since 1st September. And of course, you should use social distancing and so forth. And I would also say one word about working from home, because there's a big debate in this country at the moment. The government, unlike in the UK, by the way, the government, the French government, has refused to impose home office again. People are encouraged to work from home if they can, but no more. And I guess the idea the French government has in the back of its mind is, again, they don't want people to feel like in a lockdown again. So home office is encouraged, but not mandatory. And the truth is that we've got discussions at the moment with unions at a national level to try to put in place a kind of a global agreement, global rules that would be applicable nationwide on home office. I see. The situation is quite similar here in Germany, by the way. I guess only a few companies in France are still following their people, right? Yes, you're right. You're right. Because uh, people in this country should, in principle, be back at work. Furlough schemes are still in place in a less generous way, of course. They are available in two main manners. I'm not going to get into too many details because that would get very boring for you today and for <laughs> our audience. But basically, you still have the individual following mechanism where you, on a case-by-case basis, the administration would look at the situation of your business, of your company, and could allow you for a limited period of time some job retention help and mechanism and finance. But we also have another mechanism, which is what we would call in French long-term furlough scheme. You could call it this way. That would probably be the best translation, where you would enter into a collective bargain agreement with unions and your staff representatives and agree to a certain degree of people staying home, being still paid with the employment, uh, the local employment administration's agreement on a case-by-case basis, and you get money from the government. That kind of agreement would be in place for 24 months maximum, and every six months you would have to go and see the local administration to get their approval again. But obviously, this kind of long-term plan is really for businesses which are suffering massively from COVID-19. I'm thinking, for example, about airlines, for example. Obviously, this kind of long-term furlough scheme is really for them. But how can French businesses cope with a difficult economic situation? Can they easily make stuff redundant? That's a good question. That's not that easy because actually we've got two main routes under French law to terminate people. One is personal ground. That's not really part of your question and part of our topic today. The other one is economic ground. So we're really talking about economic ground, economic rationale, where you would end up either changing the terms and conditions of the employment contract or more simply uh, eliminating jobs. But the truth is that the economic rationale, as we would normally understand it under French law, is really for economic difficulties. That's the, the expression the employment code would use in this country. And economic difficulties is really something that is viewed as being something almost permanent. While we are afraid that in the eyes of French judges, the COVID-19 is creating a temporary situation, not something permanent. So the general advice to clients, to French businesses, is that COVID-19 per se 
is not a great ground, a great rationale to make people redundant, which of course is not very good news. One angle, though, would be to argue that the consequences of COVID-19 on your business might have a kind of permanent effect. But you can see, Michaela, that the difference between the two is quite subtle and, and very thin. But that's the way we approach things, and that's the way we are advising clients at the moment. So this is not that easy, obviously. But don't you have any other tools available for companies that really need to let people go because of their fragile situation? Well, yes, I can think of two answers to your question, Michaela. One is what we would call RCC, which is Rupture Conventionnelle Collective. And I would say, I would translate this like collective mechanism for termination by mutual consent. In fact, it's a kind of voluntary plan to have people volunteer to leave the company. And that would lead to elimination of positions, elimination of jobs. Basically, you would, it's a two-step mechanism. In step one, you would enter into a collective bargain agreement, again, with your unions, with staff representatives. You would define what this voluntary plan for people to leave, what were the terms and conditions of such plan the duration, how much money would you be paying to people, that collective bargain agreement would have to be accepted by the local employment administration. No economic ground, the difficult stuff I was just talking about, no economic ground, economic rationale would be required. And the collective bargain agreement would also require that each employee who is volunteering to leave the company must have a project, something to do, a new job, training, a new career, etc., etc. Once you have completed step one, i.e. collective bargaining agreement accepted by the local administration, then you go to step two, where individually you go and see all the staff and you ask them to volunteer. And of course, you're only going to accept a number of people to volunteer and to leave the company as defined, I mean, the number which has been defined in the collective bargaining agreement. So that's one thing, RCC. Rupture Conventionnelle Collective, which is pretty easy uh, in practice. And also because, again, you don't need a collective ground and you end up with no litigation at all at the end of that process. But the other tool I was thinking about as well, Michaela, is uh, what we call APC, Accord de Performance Collective. You could translate that like in a collective bargain agreement for collective performance. That does not lead to job elimination. But it is, it's still worth mentioning because it's a way to impose a substantial change in the terms and conditions of each employment contract to give you more flexibility. So if you're talking about a French business who needs to reduce salaries, who needs to increase the number of hours to be worked without any salary increase, or who needs people to be more mobile, I'm just actually referring to the three areas where this kind of agreement can work, you can do that. In a collective bargaining agreement, you're going to define which areas you're going to play with. Again, I repeat, remuneration, working time, and mobility of people, ge geographic mobility, or professional mobility. You define that in a collective bargaining agreement, and then you define the population, of course, and then you go and see the employees with whom you want to impose a major change. In practice, The most often change we see for these kind of agreements, the APC, Accord de Performance Collective, is working time. French businesses would use that a lot to ask people to work more 
for the same amount of money. And the very neat thing with this for employers is that when people refuse, they have the right to refuse, of course, you will terminate that employment contract without any specific ground required. The ground is just that they refuse to a change which was provided by that APC, which means that at the end of the day, if you dismiss someone who refused to work more for less money based on that APC, you dismiss the person, the person will get all the normal termination indemnities, severance, notice, etc. But that person will not be able to go to court to challenge the grounds on the basis of which that person was dismissed. And again, that's a pretty neat thing. But in both cases, you, you will have understood that, I'm sure, you need to sign an agreement with the unions and the, what we call the delegate syndicate, that is to say unions uh, delegate. I was wondering, Philip, if this conversation we are having means that you are only working on employment terminations. <laughs> yeah, well, I can understand why you are raising that point. In fact, no, surprisingly no. And that's kind of optimistic uh, way to bring to that conversation, Michaela, because well, of course, I do. we do a lot of employment termination in, in the employment team here. But not only, we do have, and I'm sure it's the same in Germany, we do have certain businesses, certain areas which are in a better shape. I would think of pharmaceutical industry. I would think of software industry, certain services industry as well, where we would do two sorts of things. One would be, of course, recru recruiting people, which is not that rare. We, I do, we do have clients, including foreign clients, uh, recruiting people. And that's normal stuff, normal work we do all year round. But the other thing we do as well, based on COVID-19, is restructuring without eliminating positions. Well, of course, APC is one example, but without getting as far as APC and that process, which is pretty cumbersome, some businesses would ask their employees to accept new working conditions, organization, work in a different way, except to come to the office, sometimes stay home, other times accept a change in working time, accept sometimes to do more, to change their tasks and their duties and do the job differently. So we do a lot of termination. I'm not going to lie to you, Michaela, but that's not, uh, that's not only what we are doing. And I would say, luckily. <laughs> I see. Again, I think the situation is quite similar in Germany. So we are running out of time. Just to finish off here, is there one last thing you would like to say to our listeners? Well, I would say that, in fact, France remains, I think, a proper country to do business in. You know, France has a bad reputation of having a very employee-friendly employment regulations, which is true. But still, there are many ways to use those rules properly with proper advice and there are many traps that can be uh, avoided if you have proper counsel so french employment law should not be viewed as a major hurdle to conduct or to continue conducting business in france and i'm especially thinking of foreign companies i think that this country has still many opportunities to show not only from a legal point of view but more importantly from from a, a trade economic and business point of view Thank you very much, Philip. It was a pleasure talking to you. If you'd like to connect with Philip Durand from France or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, 
or access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters Europe, podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Michaela Felisiak. Thanks for listening.